Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. I'm very excited about this episode. Um, The theme, as you know by the title, is SLP Scaries. Which is going to be so fun to talk about. (laughs) And share your guys' responses, too. Yeah. And um, just like behind the scenes, we record on Sundays and everyone talks about the Sunday Scaries. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, perfect. I know. (laughs) The Sunday Scaries are very real. A total real thing. I know. Weekends go by too fast. That should have actually been the first one on here. I'm surprised no one said the weekends. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, we posted a poll on our um, Instagram page asking for any SLP scaries. And we did get some, the first one that I thought was very relatable and I'll speak to it after is running out of protocols. Totally. I know. I saw that and I was like, wow, I, yeah, it's something I think about, but like, yeah, what a good point. (laughs) Yeah. So this happens to us. I don't know. Maybe we need to like figure out how to redo our system in our school district, but there are time, like all of our protocols are housed in one building. And when you need them, you have to go there to get them. And it's kind of like honor system, like just take as many as you need. And when we're getting close to running out, please let our secretary know. So they are able to order more. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't always happen yeah. in the real scary setting. When you go there to pick up, like you need a GFTA or something to go pick up and they're not there. And you're like, Oh my gosh, but I have to test oh, this do. kid. How yeah. long is it going to take to order oh, things? <gasps> Worst nightmare. Yeah. Seriously. Scary. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. It, it happens to us a lot too, because the grad students, Oh yeah. Also, like there's a lot of grad students in and out and like, they know they're supposed to let us know if like something's running low, but that doesn't always happen for sure. Yeah. I was um, like, who monitors that on your end and like does the ordering? Um, we have like a an office, like a administrative okay. person that will do the ordering, but we're kind of in charge of like letting them know. Um, but then the grad students, it's just a lot, it's it's a whole line of people, right? Because the grad yeah. students are in charge of letting us yeah. know. And not to say grad students aren't competent, but just sometimes right, right. it slips their mind. So yeah. Um, well, yeah. and they haven't been doing it long enough exactly. to, yeah, like, to know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The next one though is billing, which is a total, I feel like we probably got that even a couple times. That's scary. a scary for sure. Rachel, do you do billing in the school? Yeah. Like, so I, I didn't have to, I think my first two years or I couldn't because my first year I was a CF and then you still can't the year after or something. I, I didn't the first two years either. I remember yeah. in school because like something was in transition or something. I don't remember why. But yeah. Yeah. So um, I do do billing. The reason that I agree with this and it is a scary is because we have to keep um, like instructional data logs for every single student um, virtually anyways. Mm-hmm. And the exact same information that goes in there, I then have to like copy and paste and use like, I don't know, four or five drop down menus to then uh-huh. enter billing for every single session for every student. Now, right. not my whole caseload doesn't require billing because it's just students with certain um, insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it's big time scary. And I've gotten myself into a situation where I've like waited, like I'll do all of my billing at the end of the year. Bad, bad news. Don't ever yeah. do that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Which yeah, for sure. because technically you have 12 months from the session date to bill. So that's um, a long time, like, but, <laughs> but don't do what I did. But don't do, <laughs> yeah. don't do, do you it. bill? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it becomes such a like innate thing. Like I don't even really think about it anymore. The worst part for me with billing, like I just do it after every session. So it's not like doing it. That's hard. Mm -hmm. It's more so like the amount of visits and stuff that you get from the insurance company. And then like having to fight for more and then like that whole thing. And like, then you have to talk to the billing specialist. Cause we have a billing specialist for our department, which is great. Cause she mm-hmm. helps us like call the insurance companies, but often we'll have to call because they need to do like a review from the SLP. And it's just a whole thing. It takes up a lot of time that like, yeah. we obviously could be doing a lot of other things with. So, um, if you're in private practice or outpatient, like you probably feel that too. It's like, mm-hmm. you're on the phone with these insurance companies and it's such a waste of time. So mm-hmm. It's not fun. I totally feel that. Big time scary. Yeah. Um, okay. The next one's like specific to the school setting, but I have had this happen to me also. So someone said when parents are not on board with a self-contained placement, so like moving their student into a more restrictive setting, right? A smaller class size. Typically all the children in those rooms have similar diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Um, There's usually like an extra set of hands or two, one or two paras. Um, So the parents aren't on board. They only want gen ed, but their student would be way more accommodated and or successful in that setting. And I can really relate to that because Um, while I understand that it's probably challenging for those, I'm sure it's challenging. I know it is challenging for those parents to, um, kind of not accept, but hear that as the recommendation. Um, and you know, there's probably a lot of thoughts going through their head. It's so frustrating because we see it from our side where we see children moved into these placements and they then make so much growth because, the class size is cut into two and the accommodations are already built into the classroom and et cetera. I could talk about that forever, but yeah, it's just them. They need a process. Parents need to process it. And I'm sure like right away, it's a hard transition for them, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. Um, our last one that we got from you guys was 15 referrals for screenings on the second week of school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember <laughs> being in the school, what that felt like, like coming in the first few weeks, like you're just getting hit and hit and hit and hit with all of these, mm-hmm. like, oh, can you come check this kid out? Like it's overwhelming, especially when you're trying to make your caseload and schedule mm-hmm. and everything for sure. The only time, excuse me, the only time I can kind of see, or no, I can see the justification for screenings that early on is if it's a fluency concern Mm -hmm. or if it's like an articulate, a severe and, or I don't know, I guess I wouldn't put a label on it, but if it's a very noticeable articulation and, or phonology deficit, because those Mm -hmm. are things that really can't effectively get addressed with accommodations that teachers can provide. If it's a language deficit with like 
difficulty following directions, there are accommodations that teachers can try out before that. So those are the two that I always let slide. Yeah, it's hard. At school, like school SLPs are special, special humans because <laughs> your caseloads are wild and you guys make it work. Like I, my hat is off to you because um, you know, it's crazy. You know what I learned this week mm-hmm. on one of the many uh, SLP groups that I'm in? Mm-hmm. There are states that do not have caseload caps for SLPs in the schools. Isn't that awful? Ohio used to be one of them. So that's why my caseload was so insane when I was in the school. They do now. Thank goodness. Um, They didn't when you worked in a school. (gasps) No. So mine was like, I mean, I just kept getting added. Like at one point I had 89, (laughs) which is like funny, right? Like, it's like, how do you even see that many people? I wish people Um, could see my face. Yeah. yeah, It's like, it's bad. Um, and I think, I also think it depends on the district you're in. Like, I can't even say Mm. that was Ohio because I know that as a school district, like while I was on my way out, the SLPs in the district were like logging all their hours and like their kids and fighting to get the caseload, um, decreased or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it could also be district-based. Like, I don't know. It's, it's bad. Like, how do you. How in the world do you actively no. service your kids with having no. that many? It's, I know it's really bad. Big time scary. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're going to share some of ours now. So <laughs> we'll just like share back and forth. And I feel yeah. like a lot of ours will be pretty similar too. Um, but my first one is, oh, I guess we're going to do old scaries first. So like things maybe we used to be afraid of and yes. like are more confident with. Um, I would say the PLS is my number one, because honestly, I had never yes. given the PLS in grad school. I just like, didn't have the opportunity to, Yeah, same. and then in my internship, I was in an elementary school without preschoolers. So I literally don't think I gave the PLS until I started working in outpatient. So my third year as an SLP, Oh my gosh. And yeah. I remember how it was my first session in there and I went in with the PLS and it was my, it was a nightmare. I'll never forget it because I remember the kid. I remember his mom, like it was awful, but then I gave it like five times a week for the two years that I worked there. And now mm-hmm. I have to give it in my sleep. So mm-hmm. I, there is an SLP that I work with. That's like every time, because I help out with a lot of, um, early intervention evaluations over the summer. And there's an SLP that I work with. That's like, every time I give that the room after I give it, Oh, looks like a tornado yeah. came through. There were several possibly. wild animals, like yeah. crazy. <laughs> totally. You can't possibly yeah. keep track of everything that you need for that test. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. One of my old scaries was doing oral mech exams. Mm-hmm. That was like a very intimidating yeah. thing for me. Totally. Because I'm trying to think back to um, graduate school. Like we did... We did, we did each other. Yeah. Like, but, and it was like very short, like right. turn to your partner and right. ask them to do this. <laughs> right. But then when you're with a client, whether it's mm-hmm. like a child, adult, whatever, yeah. Um, it can be very intimidating to yeah. be like, I want you to stick your tongue out. At me. I right. want you to move it to the For left. Sure. Yeah. I still find it kind of hard <laughs> sometimes and awkward. Like, yeah, I don't love doing oral mics. I'm not, yeah. they're not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like one of my big old scaries, especially before I started more consistently working with adults was the spouses and caregivers of adults, even more so than parents mm. just like really stressed me out because like, 
they, I, I knew, and I had known from like some of the clients I saw in grad school that typically they were in the room or very a part of the therapy process, um, often making a lot of decisions for the adult and how to like manage that, especially mm-hmm. if the adult is able to make their own decisions, how do you kind of manage, um, that while still keeping everyone happy, mm-hmm. it's hard. It definitely is still hard, but I, feel like I'm more confident in it now, just like with experience, but that's something that like, you can't learn. Like that is something you just have to, well, you can learn it through experience. You can't learn it. Mm -hmm. Like somebody can't tell you how to do that. You really just have to do it and have experiences with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. One of mine that I put was co-treat sessions. Mm -hmm. So like doing a session along with the occupational therapist, and I actually will add on even, um, play-based sessions initially were very scary for me because I would leave those sessions. Like, did I do anything? You know, that feeling of like, oh my, we just spent 30 minutes together. Did we work on a single thing that was related to their goals? But if you really sit down and like walk yourself through what you did in 30 minutes, cause it can feel really fast, but it can also be, packed full of like very useful information and activities and whatever if you once you have a system of um like properly identifying and collecting data in regards to those goals you can do it for anything so I feel I will say I feel way more confident I will first of all I do play-based all the time now Mm -hmm. but I feel way more confident with co-treat sessions yeah yeah that's a good one um my next old one is supervision or supervising graduate students. I feel it. I mean, that's my job now. So it's a lot easier than it used to be, but, um, I'll, I'll always remember my first like two graduate students I had when I was an outpatient that were like working as um, their first internship or whatever. And it's hard, like it's hard to manage like how much you're telling them or like how much they're observing you versus how much you're letting them do. Um, because I find it hard sometimes to like sit back and let them do when I'm like, wait, 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 I want to do it like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they have to learn and they have to get their independence. And I've gotten a lot better at that, but I think that was really hard for me to not like overdo it and like do too much to kind of like let them do more. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I love it. It's great, but it def- that t- definitely takes experiences also. Yeah. Full circle on that yeah, one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The next one, I just put my CF year. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a very, yes, just like constantly uncertain, unsure. Yeah. Plus my CF supervisor, our district was set up different then. And what like was not in my building. I wasn't either. Yeah, I know. I feel like that's so common. It is. And so you're alone. Like you're, you're alone. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's big time scary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then my last old scary that I feel a lot better with is childhood apraxia of speech. And that's only because I've had a few clients, well, several clients with childhood apraxia of speech. But um before that. I remember even an outpatient, I had like my first that I diagnosed, I was still Mm -hmm. just kind of like, whoa, what do I even do? Like, I know that it is, but like, how do I go about treatment? Mm -hmm. Um, And I also feel like there's a lot more education now on that, which is awesome. Like there's a lot of SLPs out there with some great free information that I think help us understand how to do treatment better. But 
yeah, it's, it's different than articulation. I think that's kind of the biggest, um, shift. Mm -hmm. Um, and the last one I had was paperwork. And I, what I mean specifically by this was when, okay. So I went to graduate school with Claire and in the university of Toledo and which is in Ohio for those of you that don't know. So I learned that whole system of paperwork Mm -hmm. in Ohio for an IEP, like they, their evaluation document is called an ETR. Is that so right? Mm -hmm. ETR. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward to, I moved back to Michigan where I'm from, get a job, starting a school. And they're like, we have a met meeting tomorrow. And I was like, I'm so sorry. What is that? (laughs) And they're like that, like, we're going to go over all of the evaluation data. And I'm like, oh, the ETR. And they're like, what are you saying? (laughs) So paperwork was very intimidating for me in the beginning, because I had learned the whole system of another state and felt very confident in that. And then here I was like in my job and I was like, I don't know. I know this is weird, Rachel, but I like very distinctly remember you even asking that question in one of like our clinical, uh, like our Friday classes, like our clinical classes, because I think it was, well, I would, I shouldn't say the professor was, but, um, I remember (laughs) you asking about Michigan paperwork and they were just kind of like, sorry, we're just talking about Ohio. Yeah. And I was like, like, oh no, what am I supposed to do? This is when the anxiety starts. I held on to that for however yes, many years. Yes. Yeah, that's a my job. Culture. And I'm sure that happens to a lot of people who are going to different states yeah. than they do their internships in, for sure. Yeah. Um, so my current scare, my first current scary is something that Rachel can probably help me with, actually. But I just did one of these, and it's just hard. Like, um, AAC device reports to insurance. So, like, when you're, you know what device you want, and then you have to, like, the Medicare or Medicaid, um report that you have to send to them to get coverage for the device. Mm -hmm. I will say that most companies make it pretty easy ish. Um, like they, they do, they, they give you a framework and a template and stuff, but it's still just super overwhelming to me. And there's so many pieces that have to go in it. And in the back of your head, they're like, you're like, okay, if I'm saying this is insurance going to be like, oh, they Mm -hmm. didn't advice then, or are they going to agree with me? Like, it's just very, Mm -hmm overwhelming. So that is, yeah, that's totally fair. I'm actually coming off of, I, two days last week, I was at the talking AAC conference. So I'm coming Mm -hmm. off of that where Mm -hmm. there was a session I didn't get to attend because I was in a different one that I was really excited about, but this one specific session was by, um, oh my gosh, what is her name? She's on Instagram as the uh Buckeye SLP or something like that I think her name's Um, Bianca yeah hold on on. I'm fact checking myself she might have she been on a show no maybe not I feel like we might have we've Tara oh my gosh I don't even know what I said before yes okay so she was there and she was presenting her whole presentation was let's get this funded and she gave you like very gave us very key words Uh on use these in your reports frame it like this take I would I'll share those slides with you will you that would be amazing because right there it is Mm -hmm. certain Mm-hmm. wording I'm sure yeah. and like I know even from talking to insurance companies that like most of the people you're talking to or, or even reading those reports aren't SLPs like they're mm-hmm. people that are just looking for certain things so right. it's hard yeah so frustrating yeah 
Um, okay, one of my current scaries. Oh, I guess it should still go with old, but it would still scare me today is um passing me or speaking valves. I specifically remember Claire just gave today. me a look like she agrees. Um, I specifically remember my internship. I was in a hospital, like a level one trauma center. So we got a lot of um just like high need uh clients, patients. And I remember at like going with my um, supervisor and they had to suction out the trach bent Mm -hmm. situation. And I was like, this is how I know. Mm -hmm. Not for me. me. Mm -mm. Yeah. I did some PRN for a little bit at a hospital um, in acute care. And I, whenever I was alone, I typically wasn't alone, but if I worked on a Sunday, I was, and I remember like, if I had a trach patient, I would know one of the other SLPs and she would have to walk me through it because Mm -hmm. it's hard. Well, and it's so life-threatening also. Like, I think that's what freaked me out the most was that I was going to do something wrong and Mm -hmm. they were going to not be able to breathe or something. And like, yeah, yeah, I'm, Far too anxious for that. It's, it's really hard. Totally. (laughs) Um, a different area kind of going along with that is voice. That is my still current scary. I feel like sometimes my graduate students will ask me questions about voice. I'm truly like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know anything about voice. I still actually have my binder, my voice evaluation binder from me too. It's not funny. Like I can't get rid of it. Me neither. Because I'll have no clue. Nothing. No clue. Sometimes I'll look at it. Like if I have a client, but I'm just kind of like, you know, I need to refer you because I don't feel confident treating voice or evaluating voice at all. And I think it's a whole subspecialty in itself. Truly. Have we had a single person on the podcast to talk about voice? I don't know if we have actually, that's a great point. We should seek somebody out or if you guys know anybody that specializes in voice that would like to come talk to us that would be great I would love to pick their brain this is how we learn stuff too yeah Yeah. or if we have done an episode please remind us because again it's still a struggle yeah (laughs) still scary (laughs) okay one of mine which Claire I don't know if you ever got this but it's a big time scary is Mm -hmm. uh parents will bring in and it will be on like a prescription pad and it will say um student needs an IEP I don't think I've ever gotten that. No. Sounds Mm -mm. like. Big time. No, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) No, like I would never tell the doctor they need this medicine. No, what? Like you can say that you note. Yes. Articulation. Right. That it isn't age appropriate. Yes. Or something like that. But just like student needs IEP, like uh, what? How do you know? Yeah. Correct. You don't see them for more than five minutes. So mm-hmm. mean, but big time you know. scary. Yeah. Um, sure. okay. And then I had one more, which was accommodations that are on students' IEPs. It is so frustrating for those to be there and them not to be followed. Yeah, for sure. That's big time. No, thank you. They're there for a reason. And it is to make the student successful in their education and being able to access general education curriculum, right. given those supports. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they need yeah, to be followed. I agree. <laughs> um, and then last, I guess we just have some funny ones that we'll just highlight that 
I feel like there's a ton of memes out there for probably all of these, right? Yes, I'm sure. I just wanted to throw them out. Um, (laughs) The PLS bear, of course. I feel like there's so many memes for that, right? And it's like haunting. Yeah. So creepy little face. Like I see it in my nightmares, basically. Yeah. Um, And then another one I had was the because tomorrow's Saturday, we'll stay up late tonight or we can stay up tonight. Um, That reminds me of our friend Steph, actually, because she would always say that. Um, And a lot of the self. I feel like I have a lot of the self memorized where like mm-hmm. I'll hear parts of it um it's so mm-hmm. funny because the other day um one of the psych students was actually giving that which is a whole nother thing that whatever but scary walked, yeah, scary right a scary <laughs> yes that's, that's a whole nother concern but anyway I walked into the observation room with one of my students because we were supposed to be in that room mm-hmm. and I heard her say one line of it and I was like she's giving the self and my yeah. son was like how do you know that I'm like because I literally have the whole yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah. can do yeah like any subject cat cow yeah. whiskers yeah, totally you don't even have yeah. to look at it yeah no. um, um Oh, our t- my last one was our tick errors because I, oh. I can't even say any of them on here because they're mm-hmm. inappropriate, but I just mm-hmm. think it's so funny slash scary yes. when, especially when the parent is in the room and they say this word and the parent just like dies and mm-hmm. I have to keep the straight face and I'm like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not the word you're <laughs> yeah, trying it's to not. say. We're trying to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mine were the big mouth model. Okay. So I started off with the super duper mouth puppet thing, realized that that is not where it's at. So I got a like dental mouth model that is great. Like you can move the tongue around, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. My kids either love it or they are scared of it. (laughs) They're like, can you hide it? it It's looking at me. I'm like, it doesn't have eyes. It's just a mouth. What do you mean? It's looking at you. Oh my God. That's so cute. (laughs) Um, Okay right the the moment after you click submit on your ceus for your cycle yep do you not get a rush where you're like oh my gosh did i did it can did I, I do it excuse me can i tell you something yeah. i got audited from last year which is like a scary also i should have put that on here but yeah. also it was kind of a funny because i pay for the ce registry which is oh, like yeah. i i feel like it's worth yeah. it yeah. And literally all I did was take a screenshot of the CE registry and be like, here, look, because actually the also funny for this is that I got an ACE award these past years because I've yeah. done so many. Yeah. And so I'm like, you're going to really audit me who has like, however many. What, I have. That's like three times what you're supposed to have. I know. Right. Yeah. So I just think it's kind of funny, but it did like my heart went to my stomach. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But thank gosh that I have the CE registry. That is a a thing that I think otherwise you have to like collect everything and send it to them. But yeah, if you have the registry, you just send it and then it was fine. So it was only like a two day ordeal, but I have a file. Yeah. No, my heart would have just fallen straight out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a file with all of those annoying like conference or, um, CEO verification forms. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you know that though? Nothing, I guess I should back up. Any CEU that's completed that you want to count towards an ACE status has to be an ASHA certified CEU provider. Yes, I did. That's, I think, changed because now there's like the continuing ed. There's like CE courses that aren't, I know it's. So I'm, this is, I'm going off on a tangent, but I will wrap it up quickly. I'm doing (laughs) letters training, which is um, so wonderful for reading and um, like a really deep dive into phonology and um, 
it's recognized by the uh, Dyslexia Foundation, oh. but all of this stuff, none of that counts. Oh my God. See, and I don't understand Gasp. why. I know. And so that's annoying. frustrating because the only reason why is because they haven't gotten ASHA accredited. Accredited, Yeah. Like Rachel, you and I have looked into that. It's expensive yeah, to get it accredited. Is. Like that's the only reason we can't. And that's really frustrating that you can't get credit for doing education. Okay. And rant, sorry. My next scary (laughs) is paying your dues because we all know it comes at the worst time of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find a thread on that Mm -hmm. anywhere you find SLPs (laughs) and then forgetting your ASHA, um, not registry number, but like your account number, you know how you have to write those on all the forms. You're like, Oh, where is it? Keep it. Like I I should have it memorized by now, but I don't. I was going to ask if you did. (laughs) No, I don't. I I have the first three. Yeah. Me too. And the rest, I don't know. (laughs) So funny. Oh Oh my gosh. All right. Well, those were all of our scaries. I'm sure while you were listening, you were like, yes, I agree. Or, Oh my gosh, how did they not talk about this? So if you have a scary please let us know. Yes. Send us a message on Instagram or email. It has been so nice chatting and we'll see it. you guys next time. Thanks.